Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Apostle John, whose letter to the church we've been looking at these last several weeks, was the one of the twelve apostles who lived the longest. He was actually the only one that we know of who, who probably died of old age. All the others were executed, martyred, because of their faithful service to the Lord. And so John lived to, to a good old age, we think maybe somewhere around 90, maybe 95. And at the end of his life, tradition has it that he was living in the city of Ephesus, that city to which St. Paul had written the letter to the Ephesians. And so as he was there and getting well advanced in years, members of that church in Ephesus would, with some amount of difficulty, get him to the, to the church every Sunday so that he could speak to them. But the farther he got along in years, the harder it was for him to, to stand up and give a, a long message. So eventually it got abbreviated down to the point where John would show up each time and he would simply say, little children love one another. And after several of these sermonettes, the, the brothers in the church in Ephesus asked him, John, why do you keep just saying the same words to us? His answer to them was that it is the Lord's commandment. And if it is done, it's enough. So it really shouldn't be a surprise to us that that commandment which John had heard firsthand from Jesus' own lips is something that we see all throughout his letters to us in, in the Bible, 1st, 2nd, and, and 3rd John. And it also shouldn't really be a surprise to you then, since it's all throughout those letters, if the message that you hear today might be somewhat familiar to what you've heard these last couple of weeks. Because two weeks ago, we looked at, at a message very similar. It was all about loving one another. And maybe if you remember... That section ended with these words. This is God's command. To believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. Last week, Pastor took us through the verses that immediately follow that twofold command. And we saw John expanding on the first part, believing in God's Son, Jesus Christ. We saw that there are all kinds of false teachers, all kinds of false teachings in this world that could so easily tear us, rip us away from our faith in Jesus if we don't carefully test everything that we hear with the Word of God. This week, as we look at the verses after that, we're going to see that John is now expanding on the second part of that command, to love one another. But in order to do that, he focuses not on our love, as we might expect. He focuses on God's love. And so as we take a look at, at both God's love and ours, let's contemplate the question, what is love? And I think that we'll be able to see the Bible's clear and simple answer. God is love. 
students of English, and some of you are probably going through this right now, as they learn composition, one of the first things that they're going to find out is that they need to divide up their thoughts and, and ideas into this thing called paragraphs when they're writing. It makes it much easier for us to understand what they're saying. Each concept has its own paragraph. Each paragraph has its own concept. It's introduced at the beginning, then kind of extrapolated on over the next couple of sentences and concluded at the end. And then the next idea goes into the next paragraph. Well, the Apostle John was clearly not ever a student of English. And the words that he has written for us here in 1 John can't always be so easily divided into those neat little paragraphs that we love so much. The part of his letter that we're looking at today might even better be, be divided into little one-liners, little sayings, maybe not unlike the book of Proverbs that we have in the Bible. Each one has its own little nugget. They all have to do sort of with each other, and they all expand on each other. And so I've done my best to divide them up that way for you in your worship bulletin. If you looked in the Bible, they have it in paragraphs, but I've, I've separated it a little bit differently for you. So today I'd like to just go through one by one, and we'll spend a little bit of time with each of them and just see what these truths are about God's love and ours that John has to share with us. Right off the bat, though, I'd like to make one revision, which as I looked at this further, I realized probably in that first one, verse 7, it makes more sense for us to take that second sentence and move it down to be the beginning of the one for verse 8. So that leaves us for the first one with the words, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. And I think the biggest word there, the most important word, is the very first one. Because the Greek word that we have translated here as dear friends is the word agape toi. And I know you guys haven't all studied Greek, but I think several of you have probably heard the word agape. And you can hear that word agape in agape toi. The actual word means beloved, loved ones, or dear friends, as we have it in our English translation. Now, that wasn't an uncommon way for John or for Paul or for any leader to address the people in front of them because they absolutely loved the people they were writing to. They loved the people they were preaching to. But I think it's all the more fitting here in this part of John's letter. Because the reason he's telling us to want, love one another is because we are beloved. Not because we're loved by John, but because we're loved by God. And God's love for us is the reason that we love one another. He continues, Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So this one goes one step beyond even the thought in the first line. We're not, <coughs> excuse me, we're not just loved by God, we're born of God. Now, this becomes a little easier for me to explain because 
my parents are here today. They're right here in the front row. Actually, if you two could stand up, that would be great, just so everyone can see you. A lot of people tell me that I don't look a whole lot like my parents. You know, I, I may be a little bit taller than them. I may have uh, a little bit more hair on my face than they do. But there are actually a lot of physical similarities between me and my parents. I have my mom's widow's peak. I have my dad's attached earlobes. There are all kinds of things that we have in common. And it's not just physical characteristics. There's, there's personality traits as well. I have their sense of humor, their sarcasm, their love for, for putting family members on the spot. All of these things I have because they have them, and I'm their child. So as my parents, they've passed them down to me. Well, love, that, that pure, selfless, putting the other person 100% before us, love, is a hereditary trait. And it's a trait that can only be found in one gene pool. The only people who have love are children of God. And if you're not a child of God, if you don't know God, then you cannot and you do not love. But we haven't always known God. We haven't always been God's children. So how is it that someone comes to be called a, a child of God? The answer for us is, is in verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. Did you hear the part where it talked about what we have to do to become children of God? Neither did I. And that's because what we have to do to come to know God is absolutely nothing. And the next little verse kind of parallels that last one. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It doesn't really make sense, does it? How we're, we're sitting there, we're doing nothing at all, and, and God just loves us so much that He came along and was willing to send His Son, Jesus, to make us at one with Him. We talk a lot in our church about how God has adopted us into His family. And while that adoption analogy has its, its strengths, it has its limits, too. Because when, when God brings us into His family... He doesn't just transfer our name from one name to, to his name. We're reborn. We have that rebirth that we read about in Titus, that rebirth into God's family. We are God's actual children. His seed, his spirit is in us. And so we have his traits, that trait of love which he gave to us, even though we by no means ever deserved it. That is a love that we will never be able to wrap our minds around. And Dr. Luther had, had a challenge about that love. He said, 
Consider the inestimable love of God. And show me a religion that could proclaim a similar mystery. And really, if you think about it, he's right. You can look at the other religions in this world, and sure, they talk a lot about love. You've got your, your Buddhists, they have their love, they call it metta. And, and that love is something that you find if you, if you truly accept yourself. If you reach your full self-awareness, then, then you can begin to put others ahead of yourself and show love to them. Or Hindus have love. It's a part of the, the dharma, that, that righteous life that you have to live so you can get out of that vicious cycle of rebirth and reincarnation and reach moksha or the state of enlightenment. Islam teaches about love. They actually teach that God loves people but only if those people first love God by showing Him they live a, a pure and a clean life. They're faithful, they're patient, they trust in Him, and, and they serve Him and, and fight for His cause. And even after all of that, well, it's not 100% whether He's going to be on their side. It's still just kind of a coin toss. It's His choice. That kind of love is no mystery. In fact, it's, it's not really even love at all. That's just doing what you need to do to get ahead, to get into the afterlife. There's no mystery there. Only Christianity teaches that love is, first of all, not, not even that we love each other, not that we love God, but first of all, that God loved us. And the, that idea of love that the world has to give us is it's just not the real deal. The love that the world teaches is conditional. It's self-motivated. It thinks about us instead of them. And you don't have to go visit a mosque or a temple to find ideas like that. All we have to do is look at our own lives. We've all perverted God's concept of love. We love other people. We do stuff for them, hoping that maybe we'll get something in return. We help somebody out simply because we know it's the right thing to do, and, and we might be concerned about what other people that are looking at us think about us. And, and sometimes we, we do something, some selfless act of love for someone, and we know a lot of people saw us do it, then we get kind of upset because we're not getting recognized. Nobody acknowledged us for that, that wonderful selfless act that we did. We take God's concept of love and we just twist it all up. And the problem is our motivation. Because when we take love and we do love the wrong way, it's because we're being self-motivated. And the self that is motivating us is that old, sinful self. It's easy for us to, to show selfish love like that and then wind up sitting here in chairs on Sunday where, where we stand up and boldly confess, yeah, I believe 
in Jesus Christ, God's Son. I love God. It's easy for us to say we love God. But if you look at what he has to say to us in his word, we see that the way we show love to God is not by just coming in here and saying those words, it's by showing love to the people around us. That's, that's what God is talking about through John. If you jump all the way down now to the bottom, verse 20, he says, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. If you think you love God, if you say you love God, but you find yourself ignoring the needs of your brothers and sisters or your neighbors out in the world, then you're lying to yourself. You're living in a lie. That's where God found us. That's where we were when when Jesus Christ found us. We were selfish, self-motivated sinners. Sinners who focused on ourselves. We said maybe we love God. We said maybe we love other people. But really all we wanted was to bring it back to us. But that's where the mystery of God's love comes into play. Because while we were selfish sinners, Christ loved us. He came and He gave His life for us while we hated Him and and had nothing to offer in return, would have given nothing even if we had it. He gave His life for us. That, brothers and sisters, is true love. And so to, to kind of recap what we've seen so far, number one, God is love. Number two, God loves you. And number three, even though we were sinners, God made us one with him through Jesus Christ. So now, in verse 11, John tells us, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. You see the order in which that happens. First, God loves us. Now we go and love other people. It's not the other way around like the world might tell you. If you love each other, then God will love you. God is the source of our love. He's our inspiration, our motivation. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. We can't see God. We know this great amount of love that He has shown to us, but we can't just walk up to Him and give Him a hug like we might do for a mom or dad if they did something great for us. No, we, we show our love. God's love is made complete when we show love to one another. And that doesn't mean that God's love for us isn't a complete love. That doesn't mean that we have to finish it for Him. What it means is that the ultimate goal of God's love, the intended effect of His love on us is that it will flow through us as we share it with the people that we see around us. When we do that, when we share God's love with one another, as John tells us in in 13, we know 
that we live in Him and He in us. Because He has given us of His Spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. We can't see God. But we know He exists. So how is that? Well, we know it because He has filled us with His Holy Spirit who assures us that what He says is true. We know it because He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this world where men did see Him. And we have the testimony of men like John who saw Him firsthand. John was at the foot of the cross when Jesus offered His life up for us. He tells us what He saw and His testimony is true. The Holy Spirit inside us testifies to that fact. And we know God exists. We know He loves us. Because when we look around at our brothers and sisters in Christ, we see that love that He gave them shining in their lives, reflecting off of them, flowing through them back to us, and flowing through us back to them. That love is proof to us that God exists, that He loves us. Verse 15, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. So think back to that, that twofold command. Believe in God's Son, Jesus Christ. Love one another. It's not two separate commands. And here I think we really start to get the picture that, that those two commands are so tightly interlinked. They're really one and the same command. Because there's no way we can love one another if we don't first have faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Think about one of those old strands of, of Christmas lights. There is no way that a single bulb on that entire string of lights is going to shine any light unless it's first plugged into the source. Once it's plugged into the source, then the electricity starts flowing through that string and, and all of the lights light up, right? Every single time. Well, not exactly, because if any one of those light bulbs is, is messed up, is twisted up on the inside, the light stops there. And that string of lights won't be complete. It's only when all of the lights are functioning properly so that the electricity from the source can flow through each and every one of them that they then share that electricity with the next bulb down until finally the whole string is complete, all of the light bulbs are lit. Well, the same thing is true of us. Not a single one of us here is capable of showing even an ounce of love unless we are first plugged into the source. The source for us is the Word of God because God is love. And if our priorities aren't focused on God, if our faith is not first in God, then we've got some things twisted up on the inside. And we're not going to be able to share His love with those around us, with the next one down the chain. 
But when we know that God is the source of love, when we are getting our love from God, then that love flows into us and it flows through us right down to the next person until finally God's love is made complete when we share his love with others. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. There is no love apart from God. God is love. So if we look around us and we see love, and when we look around us, we do see love, then we must know we are in God. We must know that God is in us. And so we know that we can enter the day of judgment with confidence. Those other religions we talked about, or, or when we think about those other attitudes which we so often foster, they don't give us confidence. They fill us with fear. Because when everything focuses on us, then we either know that we're not really loving, or if we are trying to love, we can never know whether we've really loved enough. That kind of love, the love the world has to offer, isn't really love at all, and, and all it's going to do is fill us up with fear. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Fear has to do with punishment. But our punishment is gone. Our punishment has already been paid for us when Jesus Christ poured out his love for us on the cross. And so now we can go about our lives heading towards that day of judgment with a spring in our steps and with, with smiles on our faces because we know that forgiveness of sins is ours. We know that we have eternal life. We know that God is love and if he gave himself to us, then he has certainly given love to us as well. So what is love. It's not a human trait. Love comes through grace alone, by faith in God and in his word. God showed us his love through the, the person and the sanctifying work of his son, Jesus Christ. He died to make us his, that we might be reborn in his family. He showered so much love upon us that it fills us up until we're overflowing so we can let it flow out into the world around us and share it with everyone we meet. That's God's love. Our love is either a, a reflection, an extension of His, or it's no love at all. So thanks be to God that he has given us his love. We don't have to dig into ourselves and find it. He's given us love, and all we have to do is share it. 
we love, we can love, because he first loved us. So, dear friends, beloved, love one another. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord unto life everlasting. Amen.